Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. This was at the day of Pentecost. Uh, You know, when the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2. And it says... You know, those who believe Peter stood up and preached. This is when the, the, the first church was birthed. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. There was about 3,000 in all. And it says in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves. Devoted. I'd be interested, you know, since, since it is a little untraditional what we're doing, I'm actually going to look up in the Greek lexicon, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I would be interested to know what that word devoted means. Let's look it up. If you don't have this app, there's an app you can get on your phone called the Blue Letter Bible, and it's an entire Greek lexicon that'll give you the Hebrew, the Old Testament, the Greek, and the New Testament. If you want to look and see really like what the Bible is actually saying, sometimes in translation things can get lost. You can use this app, um, and it'll give you this entire lexicon. Let me see here. They continue steadfastly. Okay, so look at the word they devoted. It means to adhere. To be devoted or constant to one. Constant. Say constant. Constant. To give unremitting care to a thing. To continue all the time. To persevere and not faint. The constant readiness for one constantly. So this word, constant. So think about that. The believers devoted, so that word devoted, they gave themselves constantly without fainting, without quitting, to, look at this, the apostles' teaching. Wow, so the early church, what did they do? They gave themselves constantly to the apostles' teaching. Those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night, they actually gave themselves to this every single day. To fellowship... To sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and into and, and prayer. So, you know, I, I don't know what the Lord is really going to have me share on, just some thoughts I've been thinking about. But you guys know that Christianity is not an American religion. It's not an American religion, it's not a modern religion. And I just kind of look at how we do things and how we give ourselves. And obviously, everybody that's in this room, when, I, when I'm saying this, I'm just speaking what's on my heart. The fact that you're in this room on a Monday night, you are not the average Christian. You're, you're not. Maybe someone's watching that needs to hear this. Maybe the Lord just needs me to prophesy it out so the devil can hear it. I don't know, but I'm just going to say it. Uh, 
They gave themselves. You know, again, Christianity is not an American religion. It's not a modern religion. And I think about how little we give ourselves to this. How little the Bible, how little the Holy Ghost, how little the kingdom and the commands that Jesus gave us actually dominates and dictates our lives. The thing that's really true is people just incorporate Jesus into their life. They have their life, they have their routine, they have their structures, and they figure out how they can kind of incorporate Christ into what they do. Or, I'm going to incorporate church. I'm going to incorporate, I have my life, I have my work schedule, I have all this stuff, and then I'll take the apostles' teaching, I'll take pastors' teaching, I'll take a man or woman of God sharing the word, and I'll kind of look at my schedule and I'll figure out where I can place it when it's convenient for me. I'll take fellowship with other believers and I'll, then I'll, I'll lay out my schedule in front of me and I'll look where I, can, where I can kind of squeeze it in a little bit. I'll take prayer and look where I can... Guys, they devote, they gave themselves over completely and constantly to these things. So if you think about that, what does that really mean? It means everything else in their life came secondary to these things. Everything else. And that's the only model that the Bible teaches. In fact, I've been really thinking about this. Do you know the Bible says that Jesus, Jesus did not preach one sermon a week. He didn't preach two sermons a week. He went around every day preaching, teaching, and healing the sick. Every single day. He gave Himself to preaching, to teaching, to healing the sick every single day. Apostle Paul taught, he preached, he taught, and he healed the sick every single day. There's only really one model for Christianity in the Bible for following Christ. And it's literally the thing that Jesus said in the beginning. If you want to follow Me, you must deny yourself. You must die to yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Me. That means that when we come to the cross... Everything, not just our insecurities and the things that we want to lay down and we don't want to carry anymore. No, He actually meant your routine, your schedule, your priorities, the things that you want in life, your hopes, your dreams, your ambitions, your money, everything. You, you lay it down and you completely surrender and die. 100% where you say, now my life is governed and dictated by Christ and by the Word of God. It says a deep sense of awe came over all of them and the apostles performed many miracle signs and wonders. And the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day. Wow, look at that. The believers Worship together at the temple each day. How, what, how many times? Each day. Guys, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm going to prophesy something out. If you tried to have church more than a Sunday night or a Wednesday, people, people would literally think you're crazy. It's a Monday, and you're going to church on Monday? Really? 
You guys are having revival meetings like literally Monday, like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like that. That just seems maybe I'll show up Sunday. I just don't know. You know, my kid has softball and they literally met in the temples and worshiped each day, every single day. I prophesy right now in Jesus' name, a day will come where it'll be a Monday night and this place will be packed full of people hungry for the Word of God. Hungry for a touch from the Lord. And when expectation walks in the door like that, it doesn't matter about a preacher. It doesn't matter. Well, who's there? People think the dumbest things. How anointed are they? Are they super anointed? I want to tell you, when you come with expectancy and faith, the Holy Ghost will show up and touch you. Hallelujah. That there's going to be a hunger where this place will be packed out on a Monday night, on a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night, a Thursday night, a Friday night. You guys think how far we really came as, as Christians can't even give Sunday morning to the Lord. But Sunday morning... That Sunday morning wasn't the, the day the church met. Sunday morning was their special celebration day because it was the day Jesus resurrected from the grave. So it wasn't like they just didn't do anything all week long and then they came to some kind of little service on Sunday morning. They were actually meeting together every single day. They devoted themselves, completely given constantly to these things. And then when Sunday morning rolled around, it was a hallelujah, let's praise the Lord. This is the day that Jesus was resurrected. It's Resurrection Sunday every Sunday. Each day they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, the evangelist prophesied something profound. But he said, when we start doing Book of Acts things, we're going to get Book of Acts results. Book of Acts things isn't just somebody holding a church service and, you know, some anointed person comes and some miracles take place. Yeah, that's part of it. But when we structure our lives like the book of Acts, we're going to see the book of Acts. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Our lives are just so set up wrong. I mean, honestly, if you think about it, the reason why we don't really fully step into these things is because they, like most people's lives are totally not set up to do a biblical lifestyle. Totally not set up for it. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm not hating on anybody. And, and you know, I know some of our youth students are in public school, but... <laughs> I'm just telling you, the devil has been so strategic over the last 50 years, 100 years, whatever you want to say, to, to come in and kind of mandate, normalize certain lifestyles. We just send our kids all day. You know, it's like, why can't we be gathering together and devoting ourselves to the Word and the church coming together? Well, how can you when 
both parents work all day long and then your kids are gone all day long and then you come home and, and you know, the wife's not been at home and so the house needs stuff done and the husband's not been at home because he's been working and so the, there's just nothing that's been done all day. They've both been gone and then the kids haven't been gone. They've been gone at school all day, indoctrinated by a bunch of communists. <laughs> You know, indoctrinated with, with everything, the agenda the devil's pushing. And then we fill up our lives with the things that really shouldn't be taking priorities. And guys, I want to tell you, sports, that's great. You like sports, that's, that's good. It's a game. It's a game. It's a game. Listen to me. Football is a game. Softball, it's a game. I'm not, I'm not going to jeopardize. I'm not saying you're going to go to hell, but... When we talk about eternity, I was going to say the statement, I'm not going to jeopardize my eternity for a game. But you're like, are you talking heaven or hell? No, I'm talking more than that. I'm talking my, my eternity also consists of rewards that I receive in heaven. Prizes, crowns I receive in heaven. And that's actually contingent upon what I do on this earth and how I spend my time and how I use what the Lord put in my hand. And so if I just give myself over for... Every single day, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not doing anything the way the Word lays out. Yeah, you're jeopardizing. You're jeopardizing your reward in heaven. If there is any. But we structure our lives completely wrong. Obviously, people have to work. You know, and so I'll say this as well. Husbands, put your faith out to go and take care of your families so that your wives can raise your children and your wives can you know, uh, take care of the home. If you're going to be gone all day working, they can take care of the home. And then when you guys come, when you get off work, you can give yourselves to the things of God because you've set your life up to function in that way. And I want to say, if you're not in that place and you're watching online, I'm not speaking condemnation over you. And I, you know, you may look at your life and say, man, we're in a really bad spot where we're both having to work, you know, max out all of our time just to pay the bills. Guys, I'm telling you, nothing is impossible for God. And God is, is, is it's really important to God that we do things the way He prescribed in His Word. And so if you'll actually set your faith for that, God will help you. If you'll come on behind God's Word and say, Lord, they met together every day. Lord, our life is just totally not set up for that, but I wanted our life to be set up for that. You can put your faith out, and the Lord will literally move mountains. He'll open doors. He'll increase your salaries. Husbands, God will give you such a great job that your wife won't have to work, that she can raise the children. And then you don't have to send them to daycare and public school, and that you don't see your kid, but six hours the entire week, and then you wonder... Who is this person, this little person living in my house? Well, who do you think they are? They're, they're a little bit of every person that's been raising them all day, every day. Well, I don't really have a choice. Stop talking like that. You do have a choice. Because Jesus said, nothing is impossible for the one who believes. You can ask me, Mark eleven twenty four for anything, and if you believe, you receive it, and you have faith. Faith that can move a mountain. 
You believe you shall receive it, you will have it. Amen. Start putting your faith out, guys. I'm so, I'm so sick of hearing believers talk like that. When it comes to getting in line with the Word of God, there's always an excuse of why they can't do it. There's always an excuse of why they can't do it. Have no excuse. If your life isn't set up right, use your faith. The Lord will help you. He'll bless you because He's pretty... It's pretty important to God that His Word is kept. Y'all say every day? Every day. Delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it every day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching every day. They met in the temples and worshiped every single day. This will tie right into what I want to share for a moment today. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Before I lose my train of thought, I just want to lay, kind of say this, put this out there. And I kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday. But guys, for most people, it's so hard to live in the biblical model because we fill our life up with distractions that do not matter. You know, for most believers that aren't at work right now, why couldn't you be in the house of God tonight? Why couldn't you? I'm not actually condemning anybody that's not here. We haven't publicly made an announcement. I'm just saying hypothetically, why could you not? Well, we're tired. Y'all, I think that, that that little tired demon comes straight from hell. Why are we so tired all the time? You know, a hundred years ago, they didn't have microwaves or ovens. That when they wanted to go cook a chicken, they couldn't go to Walmart and buy a rotisserie chicken and pop that sucker in the oven for 15 minutes and some instant mashed potatoes or pull up to Sonic and get a, you know, something through the drive-thru. Like they, they spent, the average woman, get this, 100 years ago spent 60 to 80 hours a week maintaining her own household. I'm tired. This is kind of interesting as well. And Lord, I really don't know why. When I say women, I'm not just talking about, oh, the women. No, I'm saying like people in general. It's, it's a people thing in general. Well, I'm not going to go there. I'm not talking about you. You're awesome, honey. Seriously. If you guys think I'm like trying to hate on my wife, I'm totally not digging at my wife. I'm just flowing in the spirit because I really think that tired. I'm asking the question, why could, why could a person not be in the house of God? Well, I've worked all day long. Okay. Are you working now? No. I'm tired. What do you get? Are you, are you going to go home and sleep? Like really, do you go home and sleep at 5 or 6 o'clock? You go to bed? If you do, 
you know, again, if that's your life and that's your job and you're like, man, I, I genuinely like my job, set your faith for your job to change with better money, better benefits, better, better pay, better all around so that you can structure your life to come into agreement and alignment with the Word of God. Well, I'm tired. What would you do in the house of God? You'd be sitting there. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not relaxing. What do you mean by relaxing? Oh, you mean scrolling on Facebook for three hours every night. That's what you're talking about. No, I'm tired. I, I can't really rest. You mean watching TV for hours on end? Guys, these things are idols. These things are idols. I heard a prophet of the Lord actually talk about the TV. He said the TV is an idol in a home. Even all the furniture in the living room faces it. You want to know what your God is? Look, look what everything's pointing at. It all revolves around. We have so many distractions. We can't give ourselves to the things of God because our life is full of so many distractions. That's a lame excuse. And then we sit here and wonder. You know, that's the average Christian's mindset. Well, I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, because sitting in a chair and, and just getting in the presence of God is so draining, right? Super just like hard work. Well, we got stuff to do at home. Put your faith out. Get a better job. Let your wife take care of those things at home during the day and at night. Come get in the presence of God. Well, we just like... Guys, I want to tell you, if you like things that keep you away from the things of God, those things, we've, we're given a word right now. For new wine, there's got to be new wineskins. Old wineskins can't hold the new wine. You know, that's the thing. There's actually no limit with God. I don't think people understand that. There is no limit with how deep. The, the Bible says we have the same Spirit that Christ has and that we're being conformed. It's in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.16. It says, And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. We're being conformed to become more like Christ. So think about this. Each one of us actually have the capacity to live exactly like Jesus Christ on this earth. Nobody in this room has attained that yet. But what the Bible says is as we face, as, as we are in His presence, we're transformed from one degree of glory. I like how they amplified it. It uses those words. One degree, one level of glory to another until we come into the fullness of Christ. And so people only want to go so high with the Lord. You know, there's people that, yeah, they want to get blessed. They're good with get, having a little bit of blessing, a little bit of money, a little bit of the hand of the Lord on their life, a little bit of freedom, a little bit of things are going okay. We have a decent house and we have kids that have morality and they're not total heathens you know they kind of have some moral 
standards and that's good enough for us. They only want to go so far. But then with, they don't understand that there's no limit. There's no ceiling with the Lord. You can keep going deeper and deeper and more and more and more and, and just fill your life and operate on this earth. But you may live on this earth, but you're not of this earth. And it will be so evident in your life that you're just an alien from outer space. You're a creature from another dimension. That's how Jesus was. Think how Hey, we got to pay our temple tax. Go catch a fish. There'll be a coin in his mouth. You know, there's a coin in the fish's mouth. It's like, that's crazy. That's absolutely insane. He did, but he just operated totally from the kingdom, even though he was on this earth. But they go so far and they won't go any further and the Lord won't allow them. He won't pour any more out in their life because the Bible says, as Sister Hannah read, that new wine can't be held in old wineskins. If, if the new wine was poured into those wineskins, that it would literally bust and cause the new wine to spill out everywhere. So... You know, we just fill our lives with the wrong things. Hebrews 12, 1-3, it says, Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So let me pull a few things out. We have, we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. The Bible says the righteous live by faith. What is, what is this life of faith? He just said it. It's the race that's been set before you. It's the life that God's called you to. It's your destiny. It's your purpose. It's the thing you were placed on this earth to do. It's the kingdom destiny that God has placed in your life. That's the life of faith. That's the race that's been set before you. It says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? Well, look what he says. He says, strip off every weight that slows us down. Say weight. weight. I'll never forget when the Lord showed me this, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. I just think this is interesting. What he's saying here is that sin is weight that will slow you down and trip you up. But look at this. He says, strip off every weight, especially the sin. That means that there's actually things that may not be classified as sin, but will still be considered a weight. You know, so many Christians, number one, they don't even get sin out of their lives. And it says the sin that so easily trips us up. I know another translation uses the word entangled. The sin that so easily besets you or entangles you. I want to tell you right now, not only are you in jeopardy of hell being a Christian that refuses to let go of sin in your life, you, you can go nowhere. It, like Literally what sin does, as long as you have sin in your life, as long as you, listen to this, as long as you have pornography in your life, you'll go nowhere. You'll stay right here. Wow, why can I go to revival services and, and it's like the Holy Ghost is exploding, but I'm just sitting here trying to move forward, but my feet are stuck in cement because you have sin in your life that you refuse to repent of. 
Why is it that I went to the service and the Lord actually healed my body, but when I left that church service, uh, it's like we just, we just stopped. It's like I couldn't go any further in the things of God. It's like even though He touched me, because I want you guys to understand this, God will heal anybody. You don't have to be a Christian to be healed. When Jesus sent out His disciples, He told them, go and heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. He said, as freely as you have received, give. So what He was telling them was like, you guys didn't have to pay for anything to, be, to receive that gift. So go give it as freely as you received it. So that's why they would go into cities and heal the sick. And, and Jesus, think about this, Jesus cleansed ten lepers. Nine of them didn't even come back to say thank you. But it didn't change the fact that He healed them. But just because Jesus healed them doesn't mean they're going to heaven. Think about that reality. I was reading with my wife in the book of Luke where Jesus actually renounced the cities. Jesus went through all these cities and did all these miracles and healed all these people, but then He gets to the end of that tour and He stands up on a hillside and He renounces all of them. And He says, if the miracles that we did in these cities would have been done in Sodom, they would have repented. But you had miracles done and yet you still didn't repent. He said, Sodom is better off on Judgment Day than you are. That means they were going to hell. But they were still healed. People mistake that. How is it that I could come into a service and get touched by the Lord and they think that just because they got the joy, just because they got a tickle, just because they got a touch from the Holy Spirit, that their life is set and they're good. Actually, no, God will touch you because His goodness leads you to repentance. But that's the thing, is you better follow that goodness and that touch with repentance. Because if you don't, you'll still go to hell. And so people wonder, why is it that I got touched by the Lord, but then when I left that service, it's like I could go no further in my life. It's because you refuse to repent of your sin, and that sin will entangle you where you can't even move. Why am I not moving? Gosh darn it. It's okay, I don't need that. I'm about done anyway, so... Why am I not moving? You have sin in your life. You can't move forward if you're cheating on your wife or your husband. You can't move forward if you're, if you're in a homosexual relationship. You can't move forward if you're watching pornography. I'll even take it a step further. You know, the Bible says to know what you ought to do and to not do it is sin. Man, last time I got in the presence of the Lord, the Lord told me something. And I left, and guess what? I didn't do it. Can I tell you something, my friend? You will not move forward until you do what the Lord told you. Why is it the doors just suddenly stopped opening, opening for me? Why is it like the provision just suddenly stopped coming? Why is it that the blessing just seemed to dry up? Why did the brook Kareth just suddenly seem to dry up in my life? I want to tell you, you will not move forward until you deal with the thing that the Lord told you to deal with. If the Lord's put something on your spirit for you to do and you don't do it, it's sin. To know what you ought to do and to not do it is sin. So, he says the weight that slows you down, especially the sin that so easily entangles you. 
Let us run our race with endurance, the race God has set before us. So how do we run our race? It says, verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. I'm giving you the key to life right now. How do I not burn out? How, do, how is it that some of these Christians, it's like they get a touch from the Lord, and here I am just struggling all the time. Here I am, I can't seem to stick with it for more than a couple weeks and I fall off. How, how do you stay in that flow? How do I stay in the anointing? Guys, I want to ask you, maybe you've experienced this. Okay, maybe it's like I'm not having a hard time necessarily following Christ. But maybe you've come to meetings like our revival meetings last week where you just got filled up and you are on cloud nine. But then two days later, you're like, it just departed from me. Can I tell you why? It's because you took your eyes off of Jesus. At some point in that two-day period, you took your eyes off of Jesus. You stay in the flow. You stay in the river. You stay on the course. You run your race by keeping your eyes on Jesus, by getting rid of weights. Let's talk about that. What is a weight? Because we said that there's weights and there's sin. So apparently not every weight is quote-unquote sin. So what is these weights? Look, look at Hebrews 12, the same passage, but read it in the Amplified. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Look at this. Looking away from all that will distract us. Do you have that in the Amplified? Can you put that up? Is it possible? Because if you could see it, it would be so much better than me reading it to you. Okay. How do you run this race? Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of faith. Looking away from all that will distract us. Y'all, I want to tell you, what was the early church doing in Acts chapter 2 where they devoted themselves? I want to tell you, they were getting rid of distractions that took their eyes off of Jesus. They, were getting, they just built their lives. They structured their lives where there was no room for anything that would take their eyes and pull them out of the anointing. What? Oh. Okay. Let me just say this. Structure your life where you keep your eyes on Christ. Structure your life where you keep your eyes on Christ. I might be getting real, but again, most people's problems is why can they not seem to stay consistent? It's because they've structured their life where it is full of distractions. 
I'll talk about one specifically that the Lord has shown me is, is social media. Me and my wife recently, y'all, we've we deleted the apps. We're still on because I'm still streaming. There's people on there, but we deleted the apps off of our phone of social media. And man, that has just been one of the greatest things. Would you agree? I mean, it's been, it's been, she's over there smiling because it's it's true. It's been like the greatest thing. And the Lord actually showed me this. I, I asked God, uh, well, I, I didn't ask God. The Lord just spoke this to me. I noticed in my life that I would have to do this kind of dance. And I want you to understand this. If you're born again, we have open access to the presence of God. The Bible says we can come boldly into the throne room. We can come boldly into His presence. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can enter into God's presence. But that was kind of my problem. Is that every day, I, I had to find myself working to enter in. Striving to enter in. Not like I had to earn something with the Lord, but it was like just, it was, I want to tell you, it was the focus. I, would, I, I could have powerful, powerful encounters with the Lord and then the next day would come and I'm sitting here like, man, Okay, you know, I, I, at some point I stepped out of it and now I'm having to kind of work to step back in. And I just noticed this. The Lord showed me. When I deleted social media off of my phone, I didn't even do it intentionally. My wife did it first. The Holy Ghost spoke to her about doing it. And then a couple days after, I was like, man, well, she's doing it. I'll do it. And I didn't think anything of it. A couple days went by and the Lord literally brought it to my attention and He said, have you, have you had a hard time? Have you still had to have the struggle where you're like every day you're having to just oh fight to get in? And, he, and I said, no. I said, Lord, it seems like the last three days I haven't been coming in and leaving and coming in and leaving. I feel like for the last few days we came in and we've just been flowing right in the river. We're just on some inner tubes just kind of floating down the river. It's great. You go to sleep, you wake up, and you're still floating. And he said, because the thing in your life that was causing you to take your attention off of Jesus, you remove that obstacle. And so there, now your, your days are filled. From, from morning till evening, your day is filled with just putting your eyes on Jesus. I want to tell you that's what social media does. Even the verse that talks about in 2 Corinthians... We are transformed into His image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord. I'm sorry, let me skip up. It says, this is 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we with unveiled face continually seeing as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So I talked about this in my sermon yesterday, but the Bible talks about as we face Christ, that's the thing. In order to be transformed, you have to first face Him. So if your life is structured where Christ is not any part of your life, you're never, you're never in His presence. You're never fellowshipping with the Lord. You're never facing Him. You'll never be transformed because it's by facing Him that we enter into His glory and that glory transforms us from glory to glory into the full image of Christ. And so... We run our race by keeping our eyes on Jesus. 
Well, Lord just showed me that with social media, it, it is, you know, you're sitting there and the Lord's speaking to you and then all of a sudden what happens? You get a notification on your phone and next thing you know, your eyes go from heaven to sitting here right here. Blah, blah, blah. You're scrolling. You're scrolling. And I want to tell you, these devices have been literally created by people that are psychology majors to program your brain to steal your attention. Did you know that? That social media profits off of you spending your time on their platforms. So everything about it is created even at the subconscious level to get your attention fixated on this device. And so once they can pump out statistics showing that the average person is spending hours a day on their platforms, now all these companies are, are paying these social media platforms millions and millions and millions of dollars to run their ads on their platforms because they know that they have the people's attention. So it's literally designed. Have you ever noticed when you have social media that if you walk into a place, say the DMV or whatever, a place that you hate, that you're just having to sit there and kill time, have you ever noticed that before you even think about it, you're on your phone scrolling and you don't even know how you got there? You're like, I don't even remember intentionally like thinking about pulling up my Instagram or my Facebook, but somehow uh, five minutes into it, I'm, I'm here. It's because your brain has been programmed even at the subconscious level that any, any moment that you have dead time in your life, it's like that phone's out and your face is on it before you can even think about it. Why is that? They programmed it to work that way. From the colors to the, to the layout to how your brain works and how it moves and everything about it is meant to steal your, your, your attention and, and reprogram your brain at the subconscious level. It's so crazy. Watch the documentary on Netflix of, called The Social Dilemma. It talks about all this. And so Jesus said we run our race by keeping our eyes on Him. I just love the way the Amplified, and I'm going to wrap it up, but I love the way the Amplified says that. Looking away. Say putting away. All that distracts us from focusing our eyes on Jesus. All that distracts us from keeping our eyes on Jesus. And so we wonder, you know, again, at most believers, their lives are filled with this. They, they couldn't. I, I kind of pose this question. Why, why can't the house of the Lord in America be filled on a, on a normal Monday night? Well, because I'm tired. Well, because I'd rather go home and watch Netflix. Because I'd rather go home and scroll on Facebook for three hours. Because I'd rather go do these things. And you wonder why the average Christian is sick all the time. You wonder why the average Christian is in poverty. You wonder why the average Christian doesn't do anything for the Lord and struggles with their identity and struggles with depression and struggles with addiction and struggles in all of these areas. You wonder why? Because we have absolute no faith and actually we have no ability to prosper because prosperity comes from meditating on the Word day and night. 
And you have no time to do that because you filled your life and structured your life with everything that distracts you from keeping your eyes on Jesus. We're coming into a new season where there's new wine, where there's new wineskins. That means those things that have been keeping your attention, they have to go. You have to lay them down. You have to lay the TV, the Netflix. You have to lay the social media. You have to begin to structure your, your life where you put your eyes on Jesus Christ and you can run the race that's been set before you. Hallelujah. Lord, is that all you wanted me to say? And I'll tell you, you guys, I mean, if you're on Facebook, you know the videos that just pop up that you're like, man, I wish I would have never seen that. How did I even see that? I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. Everything's sexual. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The devil will use social media. He'll use useless distractions. He'll use people, anxiety, stress. I want to tell you, the Bible says, isn't life more? I'm sure the women can attest to this. You know, all of a sudden, you just your joy gets stolen because you don't like the way you look in the mirror or something. I don't like the way that my clothes look. I don't like the way my hair looks. I don't like the way... Isn't life more than clothing? Isn't it more than food? Isn't it more than just a house? Isn't it more... Didn't Jesus say those are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers? Everything that would cause, that would come into your life to steal your joy, to take your eyes off of Christ... That's why, you know, we've had drama. I, I told one of our kids, and, and I just encourage you guys, like drama. People that have left our church, that they're still texting and saying mean things. I'm like, look, honestly, I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to see it. Why? Because the devil's looking for opportunities every single day to take your eyes off of Christ and to get you out of the flow. Now all of a sudden, all it takes is one thing. Whoop, I'm out of the flow. Now I got to sit here and get back in my word and start, blah, 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 blah. you know, now I got to get back in the anointing again. And so if you're an immature Christian and you haven't cultivated that in your life, it, it, it's a hard, it's hard for people to get in the anointing. It's hard for people to get in the spirit. It's something that you do have to cultivate is how to be able to just get in the spirit. Most Christians don't get that. They're like, man, <laughs> that's why, why do you think that, that, that most Christians, they only have encounters with the Holy Ghost like once a year at a conference. Most youth kids, all they ever have is an encounter with the Holy Ghost once a year at youth camp. Why? Because they actually took a week where they, their cell phones, I don't know about y'all, but when I was a kid, when we went to summer camp, we weren't allowed to take our cell phones. And then you wonder why. Why did we have such an empowerful, impactful week? 
Because you actually took a week where everything that would distract you from putting your eyes on Jesus was removed and you were able to focus on Him for one week. And you know what was able to happen? You were able to get in the river and start get flowing in the Spirit. And then most, most kids, they don't know how to do that, so they'll go an entire year with no connection to God and then next summer camp rolls around and then they'll, oh man, I got touched by the Lord again. You do this by keeping your eyes on Jesus. I want you to just lift your hands right where you're at. I'm going to close out the service. If you're watching, lift your hands up to the Lord. Father, I ask just how it happened in the book of Acts. They were gathered together in one place. They begin to pray. Stretch out your healing hand, O Lord. Give us strength. Give us boldness to preach your word. And it says the meeting place they were in shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to preach the word with boldness. Lord, I thank you that I don't even have to lay hands on them. I just feel in my spirit to do it this way right now. I ask as, as they lift their hands and, and they would put their faith and put their eyes on you, that Father, the Holy Ghost would just fall on them now with fresh grace, with new wine, with fresh fire, with a, just a, a, a new breath of fresh air, with new wind to their back, with new strength. Lord, if they came in here walking and they came in here tired, that they will run and not grow weary because a fresh wind comes into their lungs right now, a second wind. If they came in here just dragging themselves, they will walk and not grow faint and they'll soar high on wings like eagles. That's a promise for us. I thank you for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost, a fresh outpouring for us to finish out this week strong, to get in the presence. Lord, I ask this last thing. Every person that's in this room, I believe as I was preaching, the Lord showed you clearly. You could try to justify it and say, well, that's not a sin. Well, it might not be quote unquote sin, but it's a weight that takes your eyes off of Christ and pulls you out of the flow. Lord, let them step into maturity and get rid of that thing. Get rid of it in Jesus name so that we can be new wineskins for new wine. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I love you. If you're online, thanks for watching. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.
Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.